I speak to you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I have a guilty television pleasure, HGTV. You know the one about buying houses and selling them and rehabbing them. When it's late at night and there's nothing else to watch, we watch Love It or List It, House Hunters International, or my current favorite, Tiny House Hunters. Now this show capitalizes on a small but growing fad, one I've been following for a few years. Teeny tiny houses that people can build cheaply, put anywhere, and have no mortgage on. These homes allow just the very essentials of life. Tiny homes are perfectly designed, kind of like a ship's cabin. Everything fits together. Many things do double duty in the tiny home. In Tiny House Hunters, the person or the couple featured on the show usually have begun to sense that something is wrong in their lives. They have too much stuff. They have too much debt. They have to work too hard to afford their large mortgages. They have to spend too much time maintaining those big houses. They're looking for a way to simplify their lives, lower their expenses so that they can spend more time with friends and families, more time on hobbies, more time enjoying life rather than working to afford more stuff. But even though they have diagnosed their problems, too much stuff, debt, work, it can be hard to accept the solution. Just this past week, we watched an episode of Tiny House Hunters, and the house hunter was a woman who had contracted Lyme disease and was reevaluating her life. She wanted more time to spend with the horses that she trains and loves, more time with her friends and family. She decided to build one of these tiny homes on the property where she pastures her horses. Her budget was $60,000. She began to look at tiny houses, all lovely, perfectly crafted, architectural gems, but all ranging in the area of 400 square feet. They all offered her the freedom she longed for, but after looking at the homes with their tiny under-the-counter refrigerators and their petite kitchens, she said, you know, I, I really want to be able to bring my full-size appliances with me and my large sofa, and I need wall space to hang my paintings, many of them that are four to six feet long. Tracy and I hooted at the television. That's our favorite thing to do at HGTV. What is she thinking? We laughed. She wants full-size appliances, six feet long paintings. She doesn't really want a tiny home. But she did. She did. She knew her life had to change. She just couldn't imagine how she could live that new life, a more abundant life, without her stuff. And who can blame her? 
who of us, even when we long for change, even when we know life as it is now isn't what we had imagined or hoped for, even when we feel that we're lacking something, who of us doesn't usually opt to stick with the familiar? Stick with our identities as we know them. The young man who kneels before Jesus in today's gospel is rich, which would have been an important part of his identity since at that time the rich were considered to be blessed by God. So he's rich. He's blessed. He's faithful, which we know because he keeps the commandments. And yet he feels that something is wrong. He seeks out Jesus, asking, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? But he does this kneeling. And the only people who kneel in front of Jesus in the Gospel of Mark are those who are in need of healing, those who are sick. This man kneels before Jesus, begging for healing. What must I do? to inherit eternal life. Jesus tells them, follow the commandments. At least he tells them about the second half, the ones about how to treat other people. Don't murder, steal, lie, commit adultery, and so on. I've done all this, the man exclaims, and he must be so frustrated to have done all he's ever been told to do and still feel deep in his bones that something is wrong. And in that tender scene, Jesus, looking at him, loved him, loved him. And then he provides the diagnosis for this sick man and the cure. You lack one thing. Go, sell what you own. Give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. And the man, the ailing man who longs for healing, is sad. Our reading says shocked, but the Greek is really sad. He is sad, and he goes away grieving, for he had many possessions. So what's going on here? What does this rich man lack? How is he sick? Well, there are many ways to read and understand this story, of course, but one of the ways to think about it is that this faithful rich man has kept all the commandments about how to treat others but nothing is said of the commandments in the first half, the ones that have to do with our relationship to God. Have no gods before God. Worship no idols. Respect God's name. Remember that all is created by God, not us, and therefore rest on the Sabbath. 
has this faithful, rich young man, has he forgotten his right size in the world? Has he forgotten that he, all of us, are reliant on God? Has he made of himself an idol, worshiping his ability to save himself? Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Does his wealth cause him to believe that he must count on himself, his own resources, that he can get himself into the kingdom of God, worrying only about his own salvation? What must I do? without realizing that the kingdom of God is a community, it's a family. We don't go in alone. So what does this rich man lack? Humility? Vulnerability? Reliance on God? Love of the other that is greater than just following the letter of the law. The man is ill. He's allowed his position in society, rich, ruling class, believed by others to be blessed by God. He's allowed all of that to cloud his vision, perhaps, forgetting that God is the creator and we are the creature. He's created an idol, an idol of one himself, relying on himself to grasp the kingdom of God. He thinks he can save himself, yet Jesus tells his disciples that is impossible. Only God saves. So Jesus, loving him, diagnoses this rich man's illness and prescribes the cure. Sell all you own. Give it away. Give it to the poor, your brothers and your sisters. Get smaller. Get smaller. Lose your false self. Join the family of those who follow Jesus. But the man... The man cannot believe salvation. The kingdom requires him to give up the things that he thinks make up his identity. He longed for healing for a new life, but he could not imagine the new life, an abundant life, without his old stuff, his old self. And of course, this is hard. Diagnosis, terminal self-importance, progressive self-reliance, prescription, shed all that is false. Let go of those things that keep you from God and others. Be shorn of everything that truly doesn't matter. It's hard though not impossible for any to enter the kingdom of God, but especially for the rich, Jesus says, for those burdened by their possessions, their self-image, their pride. In fact, it's easier for a camel to get through the eye of a teeny tiny needle than it is for a rich man to get into heaven.
how much baggage even the poor camel's saddle must be left behind. How much fur must get rubbed off as the camel pushes through that eye of the needle. How much that we cling to will need to be shorn off to enter the kingdom. What do we need to give up, give away, in order to find our proper size before God? Can we trust that there is joy to be had in trusting completely in God and not ourselves? Can we lose our carefully crafted identities, our ironic poses, our carefully chosen outfits, our grudges, our pride in our families or ourselves or our work? Can we lose all that so that we might be honest, that we might be real before God and one another? Can we handle the prescription Jesus is giving so that we too might be healed? At the end of all the house shows on HGTV, they always return to visit people in their new homes. And the woman who wanted to keep her full-size appliances, well, she moved into the 400-square-foot home. And she found that she was more free with less stuff. She was leading a joy-filled life focused on what she loved, not what she owned. Her identity had changed, yet she had found a more abundant life. Well, you know, we all want to keep our full-sized appliances. Let's be honest. We all want our large couches, our self-reliance. We want to hold on to the belief that it's all down to us. We control and create our own destinies, that we are what we wear, own, buy, do at work. But if we feel that something just isn't right, if we feel that we lack something, then perhaps we let God look at us, really look at us, love us, love us, and then let God provide the prescription. Shed all you have, depend on me. Give what you have to those who really need it. Join a community rather than living in isolation. Come, follow me. For it's impossible for us to save ourselves. But God, with God, all things are possible. We can all be saved. It's actually not that hard to get into the kingdom of God. God's going to handle it. But getting in is going to be hard on all of us. Because we're going to have to shed stuff 
shed the false self, pride, the desire to be the god of our own lives. We will be changed. But if we accept this diagnosis, and if we follow the prescription and then follow Jesus, joining his community here on earth, we will find new riches, new friends, new family, a new identity. And we'll find that we have been saved and that we have inherited the kingdom of God now. <laughs>